check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Hello, and welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, an Integrative Palliative Medicine physician. If you want to improve the well-being of families facing serious illness, that's your patients, but also your own family, you are in the right place. We can heal people's lives even when we can't cure their disease. So let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I am Dr. Delia Caramonti, and today we're going to talk about the H word, the H word that people are afraid to talk about. Family members are afraid to talk about the H word. Doctors are afraid to talk about the H word. And it doesn't have to be so scary. The H word is hospice. It does not have to be scary to talk about hospice. We're going to talk about six myths today about hospice. And by the end, you'll learn a way to talk about it that is really patient friendly. You don't have to be scared to do it. It's not that hard. I swear you can do it. So I have had so many family members say, oh, don't mention hospice. We don't want her to lose hope. People don't lose hope just because you talk about hospice. I promise. Family members say, oh, she'll stop fighting if we talk about hospice. Doctors are afraid to tell patients they might want to consider hospice or hospice might be helpful for them or they might now qualify for hospice. There are so many misconceptions about hospice. So that's why we're going to talk about hospice myths. The first hospice myth is that hospice is a place. Many people think that when somebody, quote, goes to hospice, and maybe it's partly the way we talk about it, that when somebody goes to hospice, that means they go away from their house to a physical place. Now, there are inpatient hospices, and we'll talk about that in a second, but by far, by far, by far, most of the time when people start in a hospice program, they're actually receiving hospice at home, and they will probably receive hospice at home for the rest of their life. In a company that I used to work for that had a hospice, they had a thousand, literally a thousand patients at home getting home hospice, and somewhere around 30 or so inpatient hospice beds. So you can see a thousand patients were getting home hospice for 30 or so that were getting inpatient hospice. So by far, most patients who get hospice get it at home. The reason that there is a place that sometimes people think that's what hospice means is inpatient hospices are basically seen as like a hospice hospital. Most of the time people get hospice at home, their pain is controlled at home, their other symptoms are controlled at home, no problem, they can stay at home for their entire life. Occasionally though, someone has such severe symptoms or unusual symptoms or for whatever reason that the physicians and nurses or nurse practitioners can't manage the patient's symptoms at home. As in, they escalate the medicine, they try all their tricks and the patient is still suffering And of course, the point of hospice is that a patient would not suffer. So in the rare cases where they can't control symptoms at home, there is this place, an inpatient hospice or a, quote, hospice hospital, where patients can go and they can get injectable medicines there. There are nurses there around the clock so they can get more frequent medications. That is the only time that somebody has to go to an inpatient hospice is when their symptoms can't be controlled at home. But 
almost all the time, they can be controlled at home without significant difficulty. So almost all hospice happens at home. So the myth that hospice is a place and that if you start with hospice, that means they're going to take you away from your house and family members won't see you anymore. Wrong, 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 wrong. Most hospice happens at home. So the patient goes home. Hopefully there are family members who can help to care for them. The hospice brings the services into the home. Myth number two is that hospice is for when you're like just about to die. That is not true. That is not at all true. The way the hospice benefit works, when a physician thinks that it is likely that a patient has six months of life left or less, they qualify for hospice. And ideally, people would spend those six months. So it's not for people who are, you know, coming towards the very, very end of their life. That's actually not ideal. It's better that people enter hospice earlier So they have time to take advantage of the really tremendous benefits that you can get when you're being cared for by a hospice team. So people tend to think about a hospice patient as somebody who's laying in bed and isn't awake anymore, doesn't talk anymore, but that definitely doesn't need to be true. In the ideal world, and I used to do hospice home visits, ideally the patient themselves gets up and answers the door and you know sometimes people would offer tea and we would sit at their coffee table and chat about how they're doing so that's the ideal scenario is that a person enters hospice when they have many months left to live that's ideal because it gives them time to take advantage of the medical care the nursing care the social work support the chaplain support the volunteer support all of the stuff that's provided as part of a hospice team so i would say one of the biggest mistakes that people make when thinking about hospice is they wait way way too long okay the third myth is that hospice is just going to put you to sleep or even kill you boy is that a myth so no Absolutely not. First of all, euthanasia is illegal in every state in the United States and is never done. So the philosophy of hospice is all about life. It's about managing symptoms so that people can live the very best life that they can for as long as they can. There is absolutely no underlying plan in hospice to shorten somebody's life. Absolutely not. The point of hospice is to manage symptoms. Now, sometimes when people have severe symptoms, they do take opiate medicines or strong pain medicines, but not everybody on hospice does. And plenty of people take those medicines and they're wide awake because if we're just managing pain and we get to the point where the pain is just managed, but not too much more than that, many people are perfectly alert, walking around, sitting in their garden, hanging out with their families, watching movies, even if they are on pain medicines. Myth number four is my loved one doesn't need hospice because their regular doctor can just do the same thing as the hospice can do. And this is kind of a common myth, I think, because it's partly true and it's partly not true. So there are two kinds of palliative care and hospice is a small subset of palliative care. But this concept I think is important. So there's primary palliative care, which is the kind of care that any doctor can do. So all doctors have some knowledge about managing pain and managing nausea, managing constipation, etc. But there's also specialty palliative care, which is done by board certified palliative care physicians and a subset of that are hospice physicians. And those 
doctors have specific expertise in managing difficult to control symptoms for people who are coming closer to the end of their life. So while it is absolutely true that a patient's primary physician or oncologist can definitely contribute to managing their symptoms, when symptoms get tougher and patients get sicker or have more advanced disease, they really do better when they have a specialist in hospice and palliative medicine managing their symptoms. And the other thing that I do think is important to know is that if a patient starts on hospice, they do not need to get rid of their regular doctor. So every patient on hospice has two physicians, a hospice physician who has specific expertise in symptom management for people with advanced disease, and another physician who is a physician of the patient's choice. And we call that the attending of hospice record. And the patient gets to choose that person. So it might be their primary care doctor, it might be their oncologist or their cardiologist or their pulmonologist. So if a patient has a strong relationship with a physician who's been managing their illness, they don't have to give up that doctor, give up that relationship with that doctor when they start with a hospice program. Myth number five, which is related to the previous myth, but I think we, is worth talking about on its own, is this thing that I hear all the time, which is, it's too early for hospice. Sometimes it is too early for hospice because not everybody qualifies for hospice. But that idea that, you know, a person with a very advanced cancer who is no longer pursuing cancer-directed treatment and is up and about, that that person is too early for hospice is absolutely a myth. So the earlier you can qualify for hospice, the better for you, honestly, because it's a wonderfully supportive program and it's better to be able to take advantage of the services for a longer period of time. So when is it too early for hospice? If a person is still pursuing aggressive therapy that is designed to significantly prolong their life, then it is too early for hospice. So if a cancer patient, for example, is still getting aggressive chemotherapy, then they're not eligible for hospice. They might be appropriate for hospice if their disease is very advanced, but they're not eligible if they are still pursuing uh, chemotherapy, for example. But sometimes people have a misconception that you can't get any aggressive care when you're on hospice, and that's definitely not true. So as an example, if somebody has an advanced cancer and they're having pain that would be helped by radiation and they're on hospice, they can actually get radiation even if they're on hospice because the point of the radiation in that case is to manage their pain. If the point of radiation is to prolong life, then it's probably too early for hospice. But if they're on hospice and radiation is felt to improve their pain, then they can absolutely get it. People can also often get blood transfusions if it's appropriate when they're on hospice, IV fluids if it's appropriate when they're on hospice, as long as the point is managing symptoms and improving quality of life, because that's really the, the philosophy behind hospice is to improve quality of life. So most of the time when people say it's too early for hospice, what they mean is the person still looks pretty good. So that means it's too early for hospice. And that is the myth. That's absolutely false. If somebody is no longer doing aggressive treatments designed to try to prolong their life and they have an end-stage illness, they are probably eligible for hospice. And it's often much earlier than the physicians, nurses, and patients and family members think. And myth number six, which I think is probably the most important one, myth number six is my loved one will freak out or my patient will freak out if I bring up hospice. 
so I'm not going to. And I, I have seen that so many times and it's heartbreaking because it makes people end up with worse suffering than they need to have. So here's how I generally would explain hospice to a patient. So if a patient is thought to be within six months of the end of their life, and they're not pursuing very aggressive disease-focused treatments designed to prolong their life, and they're having some sort of symptom, you know, they're having pain or nausea or constipation or severe fatigue or difficulty sleeping or anxiety or depression, I would say to the patient something like this. So, you know, you're having some pain, which is making it hard for you to work in your garden and hang out with your family, which you said are the things that are really important to you. And there is a program where nurses backed up by physicians will come to your house and they'll help manage your pain, your nausea, your fatigue, your sleep, your constipation. They'll come to your house and help manage it in your house. And they'll come once a week minimum to check on you, see how you're doing, are your medicines working, are your symptoms managed well enough. They also have social workers who can come, who can help counsel you or your family or help you talk to the children or grandchildren. They have chaplains in case you're having some spiritual issues that you'd like to talk about. They have volunteers and sometimes the volunteers can either do things for you or they can come play cards or watch movies. They have home health aides. And they can come often a couple times a week for a couple hours just to help out or, you know, in case your wife needs to go to the market and, and you'd rather not be alone, etc. So these people can all come to your house and provide services in your home. And then maybe the most important thing is that overnight, there are nurses on call, backed up by doctors on call. And what that means is if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have pain or you are having trouble breathing, if you call or your loved one calls the hospice number, the nurse will call back. And if they can't fix it over the phone, they will come to your home in the middle of the night. They'll call the doctor on call and together they will work to manage your symptoms in your house. Nowhere else in the healthcare system do you get something like that. And then if you need it, They'll come back the next day. If you're having pain in the daytime and they change your medicines, they might call you in a couple days or they may come back to your home to check on you in a couple days. So it's really intensive, symptom-focused care for people in just your situation and it happens in your home. And people at that point will often say, oh my God, that sounds like I'll never be able to afford that. And then you can say, no, you know what? It's covered by insurance. It's covered by Medicare and it's covered by every private insurance. And for people without insurance, many hospices actually have compassionate care. So when the person then will say, oh my God, that sounds great. And it's covered by my insurance. I don't even have to pay for it. But yeah, I want that. Then, and only then will I use the H word. Then I would say, great, I agree with you. I think it would be a really helpful thing for you. The program is called hospice. And sometimes people have the wrong idea about hospice, but this is what hospice is. Hospice is focused on making you feel as good as you possibly can feel so that you can enjoy your life and enjoy the things that are important to you. So it's about living your very best life for all of the time that you have. And the focus is on you, what matters to you, and managing your symptoms so you can do the things that are important to you. That's the whole focus. So what I have found is when you present hospice that way, people are almost universally interested in it. When instead you present it like, well, it looks like none of the medicines are working. Uh, I guess it's time for hospice. That has a completely different 
vibe. That makes it sound like we're throwing you away. We don't care anymore. You know, forget about it. Call the H place. And, and I just really want you to know that that is not how it has to be. <laughs> that is not what hospice is. That's not the philosophy of hospice. And when you talk about it in a way that explains the services and how it benefits the patient and the family, because actually the counseling and support and all that is also available for all of the family members. When you explain it that way, people understand the tremendous benefit that it can offer. And here's the, the last thing I want to say about that. This time of life, the closing, the last six months of a person's life can be a really important and, and intimate and special and connected time of life. The word that strikes me right now is holy. And I don't mean that from a religious perspective. I mean it like filled with awe and sort of in the same way as when there's a birth. It's just, it's an awe-filled experience coming onto this planet. And it's equally intense and awe-filled and special and meaningful and deep when someone gets ready to leave the planet. So I just want you to think about changing the way you talk to patients, the way you think about it in your own head, the way you talk to family members about it, about what happens as somebody gets closer to closing out their life. And hospice is sometimes a part of that. And just to focus on the idea of maximizing every single day. It's hard to feel good if you're nauseous. It's hard to hang out with your grandkids if you have pain. So the whole point is manage symptoms aggressively, including psychological symptoms like depression, anxiety, and perceived stress. Manage all the physical, psychological, and spiritual discomforts as maximally as you can so that people can enjoy their life for as long as they have. That's the whole point. So your homework this week is to talk about hospice to someone, one time at least. A patient if it's appropriate, but if you don't have patients that are appropriate to talk to about hospice, just talk to a friend or a family member about it and just say, you know what, what do you think hospice is? I just learned something about hospice. I just want to tell you my impression of what it is. And if that feels too uncomfortable to do, then say it out loud to yourself. Sometimes it takes practice to say these words out loud. And the more we say them, the less painful and difficult and scary it feels. So that's your homework for the week. Say the words out loud about what the philosophy of hospice is, what the services are like, what it's for, so that it can stop being so scary and stop being the H word. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. I cannot tell you how meaningful it is to me that you guys are here, that you're interested in the integrative palliative approach to taking care of patients with serious illness. It, it really means a lot to me. And I'm excited to grow this community of people who care for people with serious illness in a whole person integrative way. If you did like what you heard today, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to spread the word. It would mean a lot to me. And if there's any other doctors in your life that you think would be interested in this topic, anybody who takes care of people with serious illness, they don't have to be dying, but just people with significant illness, please consider letting them know about the podcast or sending them a link. It helps spread the word. So thank you so much. And I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Integrative Palliative Podcast brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Palliative Medicine. If you found value in this podcast, please share with a friend or a colleague, subscribe or leave us a review. And to learn about upcoming integrative palliative educational programs or get on the waiting list for our next Physician Scholars program, go to www.t.
T-I-I-P-M.org and sign up. And I'll see you next week.